Death Watch. Welcome back. I'm Brandon, the Game Master. We're playing Dungeons and Dragons 3.5, and we're playing Cradle of the World. So last time we had our heroes back in the village, and their uh, rocks were sick with some unknown disease, something magical in nature, and um, their efforts to heal had not been successful, and Ron noticed that there was going to be a hurricane the following day around noon, and he's quite certain of that, and um, Bloodtooth, or the entity currently in command there of the dual personalities that tried to take control and caused Graham to kill Yathlani, <laughs> but Graham was able to overcome that, and uh, Fenrith <clears throat> was trying to dispel the magical effect on the rocks, but was not successful. As the session ended, and they saw a black line on the horizon to the direction I said last time, south, uh, which was the approaching storm, Yathlani went into some sort of trance and woke up, finally telling Rohan that it's a hurricane of magic, and only in the embrace of Coralon could they be saved. So we'll begin, we'll take it up right from there, but first we'll introduce our players here. So, Chris, we'll start with you. All right. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Casimir, and uh, I don't know if I want to go to church. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm Travis. I'm playing Graham, and right now I'm very concerned about Jire, although I should probably be concerned about this desire to just kill people randomly, but perhaps <laughs> that's what it's like when you come back from a long campaign. I'm Justin. I'm playing Rohan, and I'm worried about my bird, and that's really about it. <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm John Tom playing. Asshole, huh? <laughs> is this what this is? Gang up on Casimir time? I'm John right. playing Fenrith, and I am more concerned about the uh, the loss of our god than a magical storm. Your god? Yep. Ours. <laughs> so become we'll, our god. We'll pick it up there. Um, Rohan was about to leave in order to warn the mayor about the approaching mm -hmm. storm when Yathlani caught him by the arm and said, that, "Her prophecy." Yeah, the hurricane is of magic, and only in the embrace of Coralon can we be saved. So we'll start from there. Um, so Graham, you were nearby Yathlani, and uh, well, you're standing next to her, and she says this and you're like, you're looking at her. Um, and it's like, you know, when someone says words, whatever reason, your mind's somewhere else. So, you know, they're speaking, but you know, it's like, whatever <laughs> sort of zoned out there. Uh, but do a, um, here we go. Do a will save in tower for me, please. <clears throat> Is she like yelling this prophecy? No, she says it very, her, she's very soft spoken. Mm. And when she says it, it comes out sort of in a hoarse whisper. What did you say? I was going to say. Never mind. Because like she was yelling it and it got that uh, various veins and arteries <laughs> kind of bulging. Nice place to stick a knife. All right. So, uh, Graham, you're standing there and um, you hear her say this and you see Rohan moving and you're certain things are happening that you should be concerned about. But then suddenly 
your vision goes black. Mm-mm. Um, Time to kill. <laughs> I've entered a frenzy. <laughs> and then um, colors start to flash in your vision again, and you realize your eyes are opening, and you find yourself on a boat. Um, I'm on a boat. A, a, sing, a single man craft. And you look and you've got oars in your hands, but they're not your hands. And um, immediately you notice that you're being tossed like to you're just being tossed in the ocean. It's a, a miracle that you're even still afloat. There's waves approaching that you can't see the tops of. There's rain falling in, a, in sheets and uh, only some miracle allows you to remain seated in this thing. And... Uh, any efforts that you undertake with the oars is entirely useless. You can see that this small boat is fitted with a sail, but it's been taken down. Um, so you, this is what you, what you're seeing now, and you can, you're, you're powerfully in this vision. So you smell the sea, and you can hear the slap of the water on the boat, and the just steady, constant roar of, of rain and thunder. You see a few specks of purple streaking through the sky around you. And the, the last thing you notice while still in this vision is being on the ocean. And then suddenly the water, the surface of the water is 30 feet below you somehow. And uh, you feel the, the jarring, painful force of your little boats slamming into the water and you go under and your vision flickers some more and you don't you're not aware of how much time passes just that you have the feeling that it's um at least hours and you're you start to blink again and you find yourself on a beach um washed ashore the storm still rages and the rain still pounds down on you. But um, the the last sensation you receive from this is the absolute knowledge in your mind, but not your mind, that you're actually right back where you started. And then um, everything turns to black again. <clears throat> but uh, some more time passes and you're not aware of how much, but now you start to see things again uh, or at least feel like you're seeing things again and you find yourself uh, disembodied and floating swimming through a deep dark ocean deeper than you could have imagined the ocean could ever be and you find yourself sailing floating past uh, odd structures on the sea floor, um, and you can see, even though there's no light, this is so far down that light doesn't reach. But you you come to an area where you you see the remnants of an ancient temple. Uh, you can tell that it was a temple, but there's no indication that you can see at the moment of whom this was a temple for. But as you float further down through the walls and find yourself in an inner chamber in this temple. You can see in the center of the room, there's a vortex of spinning water, like a whirlpool, but you're still underwater. So it's an odd effect that you're not, you don't quite understand. But out of this whirlpool, uh, long black 
tentacles are starting to um, pour out and you get a flash then all all images are gone for another length of time that you're not sure but um, it feels to you as though one of these tentacles touches you and then you wake up so Rohan and Fenrith and Casimir <clears throat> you uh, let me make sure yeah so you all notice that Graham, um, he's standing next to Yethlani, who's talking to Rohan, and he's just staring, like straight off into the distance, um, straight up, you know, yeah. almost like Yethlani was when she was having. His eyes aren't, you know, rolling in his head, but uh, he's just staring blankly. Um, <laughs> I will dismiss this behavior as common Graham uh, yeah. behavior. <laughs> at Thanks, first David. anyway <laughs> and then graham when you like come to you know you blink a bit and you're like thinking about that uh you just keep finding yourself uh glancing towards the ocean to the south and uh but those those images are still very vivid it's not like dreams that fade uh it's very vivid still in your mind and the only thing that you the only thing you can think of when it comes to those tentacles was um, just the, the, the feeling of absolute evil. But I have this impression that that's off to the South. Yeah. It just generally you find yourself looking that direction, but, but yeah, it's a big ocean. Yeah. Well, I, all I'll do is just try to shake off the lingering feeling if I can, but I don't think I'll mention it. <clears throat> okay. Whoa, I just had a crazy vision. <laughs> I'll I'll be like halfway towards walking away and stop and say, What what vision did you have? Ah, it's tough to describe. Will you try? <laughs> oh, there was like a a temple underneath the ocean. There's a whirlpool underneath the ocean and tentacles coming out of it. Does that ring any bells? Check the monster manual. <laughs> Well, I suppose we probably would have a library with some stuff in the hero's abode, right? We do literally have a monster manual on us. Yeah, I gave it to yeah. you. Well, I'll tell you where my stuff is, and, well, that's a bad idea. <laughs> I know where your stuff's at. <laughs> I'll tell Casimir where to find my bag <laughs> and have him go get it and say that I need to talk to the mayor. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll... Go find Rohan's bag and retrieve the, uh, what was it? It was like a journal of, or, uh, I forget the guy's name. He, he wrote it. Uh, I make a note of it. Oh, right. It was it's not springing to mind. It was like either. a famous adventure, wasn't it? We yeah, it was. We came into his house, uh, at some point out in the woods long, long ago now. Yeah. Should be in our party sheet. Well, uh, Casimir, you remember uh, the other visions I've told you about? It was like I was in somebody Ar else's body. Aramak. Mm. Yes, I mean, I, I've had such visions as well. That's right, I remember. So, but uh, Usually it means our lives are going to get a whole lot worse. <laughs> that it, it does usually, yes. <laughs> but I don't see how uh, we need a prophecy to determine that. That's true. Yes. All right, let's or ignore it. Go have a pint. 
Well, first there's work to be done. The storm's coming and we need to prepare. Hmm. Yeah, go warn the uh, mayor as you wish to do. We need to try to find some way to move the rocks out of the uh, out of the storm itself. Build a sh temporary shelter or some such, though. If it's like the storm we passed through on the way here, yeah. I fear we won't be able to build a uh, structure sturdy enough. Um, I'll be back to help with that. Casimir, will you join me? Yeah, sure. Or, sorry, Fenrith. Okay. Fenrith. Um, Fine. A representative of Corlon Lorethian <laughs> would be good after the the prophecy that was just spoken by... Uh, Yithlani. Yithlani. Yeah, fine. You know what I might chop liver, eh? So Yithlani says, none of your preparations will matter. And she goes to Fenrith and says, there's only one way we can survive this, Fenrith. Um, and what is that? All of the people must gather at the temple and pray to Coralon. All of them. Sounds like she's getting us set up for a fireball. Mm. Well, then let us gather them. <laughs> And Are you all trying to uh, justify stabbing her? <laughs> working on it. <laughs> she's no good for you, Fenrith. Mm. Look, we need she's to, dead. We need to gather the townsfolk <laughs> and hole up at the church. <laughs> Whose dagger could this possibly be in her back? <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't that the dagger that Rohan had not too recently? <laughs> All right, so Casimir, what are you doing? Uh, apparently, uh, not going with the rest of the party. Um, I think I'll start trying to figure out a way to maybe either create a shelter or uh, organize such a thing for the rocks. Uh, Yithlani can say whatever the heck she wants, but at the end of the day, they're already stricken. Yeah. And uh, it, it, they don't really seem to be wanting to move too much. Plus, good luck housing them in any of the structures we have currently. Well, the the structure that you're standing next to is big enough for them. Okay, is it sturdy enough? Yeah. Well, that's that's a question you'll you'll have to take a look at it. But it's the stable slash barn, and there is a spot for each of them inside there. They just very rarely spend any time in there. Okay, that might be something Rohan's actually better at than uh, I am for this, because probably dungeoneering might be able to tell us that. <laughs> yeah, I don't have. Two greatest skills in that. All right. Um, what about you, Graham? Well, I'm sticking with Casimir then. Okay. Pestering them about my vision and um, how we're going to protect these birds. Okay. And then Rohan? I'm going with uh, Fenrith to the mayor. Okay. Um, and then if I need to, then I'll go out to the outlying farms and try and find Nazus to bring him in. For the storm. Mm -hmm. All right. And so Fenrith, uh, as you're walking along, Ithlani is like, she's um, still, she's like very weak from this, um, the toll that this vision she had or this prophecy. So she leans heavily on you, but, um, but she says that, um, you know, something to the effect of that, of, you know, if the people join in prayer to Coralon, that will give him the strength to save us. So make a religion, knowledge religion check for you. Do you want it in the tower? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> so in real life, we know, but it's not common knowledge in the world for your characters. Um, 
but when she says this, you're, you know, thinking over all of the, the texts you've read about Coralon and religion in general. And, um, you know, there's like, um, excerpts you can remember of, of like rumors or theories or, you know, sermons that, uh, that, um, hint at the notion that the strength of the gods comes from their worshipers. And, you, you know, nobody has like a, a agreement on how that formula works, whether the, the belief of the believers is more important than the number or vice versa or what. But when she says that, um, that's the first thought that pops into your head. And if those theories are correct, or if any part of them are correct, then it seems like it would make sense if he didn't die from that wound, that um, this might be a way to heal him. If you can gather, all, if all of the people can be gathered to, to the worship of Coralon, but it's just a theory. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I had agreed with her. This after she said that uh, that's what we had to do. So I, my plan stays the same as we need to gather everybody at the church. Okay. All right. So you guys will make your way to the mayor and, um, you know, back, you know, in the village, none of this seriousness is really taken hold. People are still going about their business. And so people still wave at you and call out, say, you know, hail to the heroes, things like that. But you make it back to the mayor and she's in that town hall places packed of people, you know, trying to meet with her and she's given instructions, but you, that's where you are. You are now you step into that, that town hall and there she is seated at that same table. All right. Um, I'll see if we could clear the room. Okay. How we don't how it, panic as I'll just, well, I'm going to ask her as uh, yeah. if, if we could have a, a word in, in private. Okay. Uh, yeah, so she sees you guys come in, and she notices that the look on your face that, you know, there's something going on. And uh, so she stands up, and she's like, please, people, I need to speak with these um, heroes in private. Uh, if you please give us the room. It should not take long. And, you know, most people are happy to oblige, so they just start shuffling out. Um, there are two people in the room at this point that uh, don't start moving towards the door. And they also weren't like in line to talk to the mayor. They were standing sort of off the side of the table together. This is, um, I mean, you've got to take a second look at them, but you recognize that it's Almer and Alonzrin Halali. The, um, they're the two oldest council members. That's a husband and wife. Um, but it takes you a moment to recognize that because they were very old. Uh, but now, um, because of the uh, the effects from your adventures, like everybody else, the years are falling off of them. Um, what's ni- what's interesting about them, though, is they're the only people you've seen so far whose age seem to be so advanced that even under these effects, you can still tell that they're old. So they've still got like the graying hair and, you know, larger ears and just a little bit of a stoop to their shoulders, but they, they don't make any room to any move to leave the room, which isn't um, out of the ordinary cause they're council members, but, but I'm everybody else does. 
throw in that last part I was going to tell uh, Rohan to fire on anybody who didn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I mean, it's... It, I don't think that this is necessarily just for the mayor. They're part of the council. They can, they would be able to help gather the people. So I will, I'll just explain to her um, that there is, there is a magical storm that is on the way. That is not magical in the sense of beautiful, magical in the sense of uh, energy that has come to destroy us. But uh, we only have one hope in order to save ourselves from this, and that is for everybody to gather and to pray to Corlan Larathian to save us, as he has not left us, but he does need our belief in order to protect us from this. <clears throat> All right, so um, so she looks at you, and um, so you, you're talking about Corlan and stuff like that, and she's looking between you and Yuthalani, Um but the expression on her face shows one uh, you're done that she she believes you even if she doesn't understand um so she says okay um so we must gather at the temple and we must pray many of us don't know how to do that That's... there's a lot of us haven't um uh, spent any time listening to Yuthlani's sermons and so we're not sure how to do that uh, we will be there to guide you, as the most important part is to gather the people. Um, so, Almer, he's the male, uh, he steps forward and he says, So, God's going to save us now. Hmm? And what makes you think this storm is magical? And his wife steps forward and she's like, Do you always have to be asking questions? Like, you've spent all your life here in the village, what would you know about storms? And he's like, I'm just asking questions. We have a right to know. But he's always been sort of cantankerous, um, but not in the mean way. You know, this is like, he, he won't pass up an opportunity to bust your chops about something. But, but he does say, uh, you know, many of us don't, don't even understand who this Coralon Lorithian is. I mean, sure, Ithlani has said to us, you know, he's the God of our people. We only have your words for that. How do we know we're not praying to an evil God? Regardless of whether or not you believe in Corlon Larathian, the storm is coming. If you want to see it, you can climb up to the to the wall and, and you can see it at the south. And regardless of whether or not you want to pray, we should all gather in a secure location. And the church of Corlon Larathian is as good a place as any. Strong, strong fortified uh, walls in the temple, as it'll it'll protect many from the uh, ravages of the storm. But it's easy to it is easy to give faith to Corlon Larathian, as like I said, me and uh, Yathlani will show you how. Fenrith, I'm going to leave you to the uh, bickering here. I'm going to head out to the farmland as fast as I can to try and bring in as many as possible. As all. Nod All right, him. so the mayor says, but it'll take you most of a day just to get out to the outlying farm. Is our magic back? Well, yeah, it seems so. You haven't had any issues with it. Okay. Um, I'll say I've, I've gained some abilities on our trip that may assist me in my speed. 
All right. Um, well, do you need anything from me? Uh, if you have a, a writ or notice that uh, would show that I come bearing the approval of the mayor to bring everyone to town, that would be helpful. Use your oh. hero symbol. Yeah, that won't be necessary. Okay. And your word would mean more to them than mine anyways. So good luck to you and please hurry. Get in as many people as we can. Okay. And so I'll go to, you know, you know how you've described it as kind of a bowl shape and we're kind of on the rim. Yeah. Um, I'll get to the edge of that and then I'll activate my fly ability and fly out um, over the top of the trees where they would have hindered me before. (laughs) All right, so let me describe it a little better for you because it's not exactly accurate. So, um, so yeah, where the village is situated, there's sort of the rim of a bowl. Um, let me bring this up here. But the trees are down in that bowl. Yeah. Like, you know, a couple hundred feet below you. So they won't, the trees won't hamper you. So, um, well, when we went down there before, there was like, deep underbrush and yeah and other stuff that i remember and and that's what my character remembers of that forest so um, okay going over the top of it would be um in his mind much quicker yeah and so for the farmland area you're going um more east than down in that bowl so the the topography you remember was that this um plateau sort of hilly land that cradle is situated on mm-hmm. there's like a like a straight line of that that continues on to the northeast and um it's you know at this same elevation and then it drops down to the east into what was a big plain and further beyond that like the haunted mine okay now they tell you that there's forest there but um yeah i mean mostly you'll be going east okay yeah, I only have, what is it, 13 minutes of, of flying ability. Okay. But I can move it more than double my speed. You can run. Um, or is it the spell doesn't give you an actual fly speed to do that? No, the, the fly speed uh, is 60 feet um, per round, um, but still not having to deal with uh, rough terrain or, or traveling on paths Yeah, should, should help me speed up. Okay. All right, so you... Uh... You step outside and you cast your spell and up, up and away. And uh, you can see all the kids shouting as they point up at you. They're excited about that. And, um, and off you go. Um, <laughs> I probably have a cloud of flies that follows me as well. And then Fenrith Yathlani says, we must go to the temple and prepare the grounds. There's some preparations that need to be made. And then she comes closer and whispers to you, uh, I didn't want to say this out loud in case you think it's best not to tell everyone, but none of us can shelter inside the temple. I know that. Okay. So please uh, help me get to the temple so we can make these preparations. As I will uh, whisk her up on my back as if I was a stallion and run to the temple. <laughs> not really, though. As I'll tell her, let's let's continue with all haste. Okay. Now, Casimir and Graham, you guys are checking out like this barn? Yeah, this rock stable, I guess. Yeah. All right. So, if you imagine the size of a rock, and then imagine this building can fit um, eight of them, that's the size of this. So, it's got these 
uh, enormous doors that um, you can't remember them ever being closed um, ever. And it'd be hard to imagine how anybody would even do that. Uh, any, any, anybody that's not a hero with powerful magic anyways. Um, but so you step into there and, um, you know, it's, it's daylight. Um, you've got, uh, the same size door on the opposite wall. That's that go, that drops right off of the cliff, like right off the cliff. So this would be, you know, where the rocks would, you know, if they wanted to get up and go fly, they would just step out that door. And then you've got stalls, um, generally marked off areas for each, um, each rock to have their, their own space, but they're marked by posts. Not, there's no walls because a lot of times the rocks like to snuggle together, you know, for whatever reason. So, um, but you can tell which areas are separated and there's, you know, uh, tools and, you know, grooming implements hung up here and there. And there's, um, you know, supplies stacked along the, um, back corner. And then, um, you know, the roof is high enough up that, that these rocks can stretch out and not have to worry about hitting anything. And there's a balk, there's, um, a walkway up there that you can reach by ladder and, and a loft where, you know, more supplies are kept. But, um, so you step into there, there's nobody in there right now. Um, and so what do you do? You want to check if it's suitable to survive a storm? Yeah, we think it will uh, survive a storm. All right, so let's have... Based on the storm that we flew through, yeah. get back here. All right, so do we have any carpentry or engineering or architecture skills? I don't know. Yeah, there'd be, it'd be intelligence just for me, so... Um, okay, yeah. Okay. Let's do some intelligence checks then. You want it in the tower? Uh, no, just roll it up. Oh, no. All right. So, um, you make your circuit around this building and, um, you know, Casimir, it all looks good. Okay. I mean. What do I know? There's been storms before. Yeah. You know, and it's still standing. So, I mean, you don't even have a notion of how powerful this storm's going to be anyways. Right. Like if it's a hurricane, like Rohan initially said, then it wouldn't be the first hurricane that's hit the island. So, um, but Graham, you're moving along there, and uh, you make your way up to the that's that walkway, and uh, you find the hatch that you know another ladder up there, and a hatch that leads up onto the roof. And so you're up there, way high in the air, up on this roof, checking over the shingles, and uh, you do find a section where, you know, there, there's some shingles that definitely are not going to survive a high wind, but even without, you know, even if those go flying, um, you know, just based off your common sense, doesn't seem likely that that's going to bring the building down, you know, a little bit of water might leak, but generally it looks all right to you. Seems like it'll hold up to me, Casimir, but if this is a, a magic storm, are structures even going to be harmed? It's hard to tell. The flesh of the rock seems to be necrotizing because of it. Mm. Uh, but it will most likely hold better than if we were to erect a magical barrier of some sort. I see. Based on what Rohan said of it feeding on the magical energies. Yeah, I just saw a couple spots on the roof that needed patching, but 
it's going to be good regardless, mm. I think. Okay. So this conversation takes place as Graham is coming down the ladder to the the ground. Okay. And so he's about halfway, you know, he's about the middle of this ladder and he's talking and then suddenly he just stops talking and he's there on the ladder with one foot and one hand and he's twisted a little so he can see you and you see his eyes just go blank and he stares past you and his mouth's open. Graham, uh, this vision slashes through your mind again. You're not right back where you started. You're somewhere else. You don't, you don't know where, but you're cold, which you feel like shouldn't be possible. And you're tired and something feels wrong. You don't feel well. And you've never felt that way before. And you stumble, um, tripping almost every other step on flat ground along a trail with massive trees to either side of the trail. Um, you know, trees that would dwarf some of the largest you've, you've seen here in your homeland. And you come across um, a small village. It looks like it's set up for um, lumber, like a logging village. And you trip and fall, and for whatever reason, you're you're not even able to get your hands up to break your fall, and your face, you know, lands right in the muddy ground, and uh, your vision goes black. Then it flashes, and you find yourself inside um, a, what looks to be a tavern. There's tables with people seated, having drinks, and there's a bar, and there's a fire. Uh, a very large fire on one wall. It's quiet in here. It's very smoky and it's very quiet. Generally, people are hunched over their drinks and speaking softly to their companions. Um, a woman who looks odd to you uh, approaches and starts speaking to you. And you, you know that you understand the language she's speaking, but you can't piece the words together as your head is pounding and your eyes can't seem to stay open and then vision goes black again and then sometime later your eyes open and you can see there's more people in the room now um and everybody's looking at you um basically the room's full people are at their tables with their drinks there's people at the bar but there's four men standing right in front of you and speaking to you one of them is forward a little and speaks to you in a very authoritative manner. You can understand the language, but the words don't make sense to you now. And you see that they've got a very odd accent. They're dressed in, um, they're dressed oddly as well, but you can tell for certain that their dress is military. They've got military uniforms, um, well taken care of with nice, um, dark boots but their tunics and even their trousers are red. And uh, they are holding, the, the three behind the leader are holding some odd club-like weapon. It's about, or like um, quarterstaff sort of. It's about six feet long, but it's got, you know, an odd structure to it on one, on one end of it. And uh, it appears as if they've put metal into the wood 
you need to understand um, that weapon. There's no sharp implement on it. Um, so obviously some sort of quarter staff, but it seems odd to make a quarter staff that would weigh as much as that does. But this leader is now shouting something at you and he's very angry and he's pointing his finger at you. And it's at this point that you feel uh, this flash of anger and then you feel some energy within you building and then it releases. And those in the room wouldn't be able to see, but you can see the shockwave emanate out from you and uh, people start dropping immediately. And then your vision flashes and you're hanging off this ladder, staring at Casimir. And you think he just said something to you, but you didn't hear what it was. What was that? Sorry. How long did he pause? It was like a full minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Graham. Oh, sorry. I had an, uh, another vision. What was it of this time? You know, I really lacked the frame of reference. I was standing in a room with a bunch of people in it and they were kind of lecturing at me that's not new mm. uh oh god <laughs> <laughs> and then i got angry and i released some type of power uh, there, there were other parts to it too but it's fading now mm. well in the past these visions were usually of other people and other lives yeah so. that's the same sense i get from these ones mm. uh, you know something else has been going on well no that's not the sense you get from this. Oh, never is it mind. more current? <laughs> when you're in these visions, it it feels a hundred percent to you like you are that person. Oh, okay. Well, uh, just this one, or also the one Any, in the temple. Oh, ju the ones that involve this person. Okay. Yeah, the temple one's different. All right. Yeah, I, I recognize that it couldn't have been me, but in the vision, I was that person. Well, we have no way of figuring out what it is currently that you are seeing. So yeah. why, while he's saying that, in your mind, you hear a voice, a shrill, uh, shrieking voice in your mind that drowns Casimir out that says, you're not me, I'm me. <laughs> and you wah, can wah. now put a will save in the tower. <laughs> you can feel blood tooth uh, like a, a violent surge as it tries to wrest control from you of you. I was just about to tell you about this, Casimir. <laughs> I have murderous intent. <laughs> um, so Casimir, Graham steps down on the ground and he looks at you. Um, let me see something real quick. Yeah, I was going to ask. Ca oh. Casimir, do a sense motive. Oh, great. <clears throat> oh, I think that'd just be a wisdom. So here we go. <laughs> Three. All right. So, Graham, um, you you step down to the ground, and suddenly something snaps into place for you. Every time in your life that Casimir has made a, a, you know, a wise comment, and you didn't get it, that he was making fun of you, but you do now. Sounds about All right. of it comes into place. Like every single time he said something condescending and you didn't realize. Yeah. And now you do. <laughs> and it's right. done with that deadpan. <laughs> it's not an obvious mocking or a joking. It's just par for course. I'm always mocking. And um, yeah. And, you know, uh, you realize that your whole life he's looked at you like less than him. 
And now is the time to prove to him that he's so wrong about that. So you feel this compulsion to kill him. To attack. Um, am I attacking him flat-footed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to give him any warning. And you can actually, you do a sense motive, too. It is quite possible that I'm always ready to attack Graham. <laughs> That's why I was going to ask you, hey, hey, Casimir, have you had the strange urge to kill somebody for no reason? So Graham yes. asking Casimir. Yeah. Yes, I have. <laughs> I don't have a good sense motive either. Um, well, okay. So what that, you look at him and you think like you, you're feeling all this and you're like, now's my time to strike. But you look at him and it's, it seems to you like he's literally reading your mind and he knows an attack is coming. <laughs> but um, so what we'll do is we'll let that trigger one more. We'll save to see if you can snap out of this. Okay. <clears throat> Very well. Could be. Cause you don't yeah. like, even in this state, you're, you, you're not confident you could beat Casimir in a one-on-one -on -one fight. Right. So. I don't know. Well, I am kind of bruised. Run. Um, all right. So you look at him and you're like, I'm going to show him. But he's read your mind and he knows. And it seems to you even like he's waiting. already, yeah, like he's waiting. <laughs> he's already set his feet and uh, just want you to make the first move. <laughs> so it's justified. You get this um, right on. another voice burst through the, the fog of your mind and says, get a hold of yourself. Do you know what he'd do to us? And that right there is enough to snap you out of it. And you're like, oh, and now you're you you're in control of you again. But further than that, uh, this seems to have been what was needed for the original, certainly not good, but not hateful blood tooth to come back to the fore. And um, so you blink and you you know you uh, you remember it all. You were about to try to kill Casimir. So there you go. <clears throat> Are you all right, Graham? No, Casimir, I don't think I'm well. Uh, have you ever just wanted to kill somebody? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but what does that have to do with the tasks at hand? Are you having another vision? <laughs> no, it's not a vision. I've just had a couple instances since we've been back where I just have an over overwhelming urge to kill people, certain people. <laughs> I know that feeling well, Graham. <laughs> I mean, you're a mean guy, but you don't deserve to be killed. Mm, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, who, who else there was? Yes, uh, Fenrith's yeah. girlfriend. I guess she rubbed me the wrong way. Even my own dad for a minute there. How much did we know about your... Uh your dagger you just talked to it i think is all we really know right yeah i think so i mean i've had every every conversation i've had with blood tooth i've spoken my part yeah. of it yeah. so if you guys were around you would have heard that um we obviously know it's magic yeah because of how often we're <laughs> just constantly having tech magic on yeah i don't really know how to describe it it's like for a moment i remembered every way in which you did me wrong casimir and mm-hmm and maybe that deserves a punishment, and maybe not, but uh, it's not really like me to do that. Have you ever felt this before? Really, just since we came back. I guess I felt it against the orcs and the 
you know, the Minotaurs and the snake people and the, the person you are in the visions, do they have these feelings? This last one, he did get angry or I got angry and I released some type of energy. But it was warranted. Maybe not the energy or the killing that you saw, but the anger. I'd say so. I felt it. It didn't just appear out of nowhere, like these sudden urges to to kill me or Yithlani or your own father. But that's kind of understandable (laughs) because... (laughs) Uh, I don't know why Yithlani. Or even my dad. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, you have a long history of, of... of slights against me, so that kind of makes sense. <laughs> you even struck me once. Mm-hmm. And they were all well-deserved. <laughs> anyway, I believe that until further elements of these uh, fugues or states that come upon you can be delved deeper into, we should just focus on the task at hand. I will, of course, if you wish it, uh, inform Rohan and Fenrith so that they can be on the lookout as well. That might be for the best. Okay. Or do you wish to inform them yourself? Uh, yeah, I guess I could let them know. There's another uh, notch on the condescending <laughs> list right there for him. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe that what we should do right now is focus on trying to get the rocks roused and in here. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. So you guys are going to head out there and try to get the rocks to move inside? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that's what you're working on. Uh, Fenrith, you continue along with the Othlani to the temple, and when you um, when you when you reach the temple, you're surprised to see that there's about twenty elves, some of whom you recognize, but others that must be among the new arrivals. Um, they're dressed in their work workman's clothing, and they have their tools, and they're waiting there for you. And uh, the the one of them steps forward and says, "Othlani, um, we're." here to work. We all wanted to say we're sorry we've been shirking our duties lately, but we want to make it up to you to finish the temple. We so, have, uh, go ahead. We have a, a task uh, of great importance before we can start working on the temple. And I'll uh, yeah, turn to her and let her describe what uh, preparations we should make. All right, yeah, so she steps forward and she's like... Um, Thank you, and we're going to need all the help we can get. And so she starts giving instructions to them on what needs to be done. Like some of the construction does need to complete, and so she sets them to work on that. Most of it seems to be related to the, you know, the the giant sigil of Coralon on the on the front of the stone structure. And so she sets the others to go about, uh, you know. Every she says everyone is going to have to be gathered here, uh, and you know it basically in a in a song and dance to Coralon. So the grounds need to be cleared so there's space, and so she sets them on that and gets them started on that. I have just the spell for that. Okay, what are you going to it, cast? It's really Fireball. just burning hands. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just playing around there. But- as, uh, yeah, I was actually, if she hadn't have brought that up, I was going to ask her if uh, if our our prayer today, uh, if it would be better to, to pray in the old ways that people are more familiar with, um, like we did last night. Yeah, yes, that, that must be the way. And um, I do think that we should, uh, 
we should have we should continue with the idea of you know food and drink for people as well um even though it's not the celebration that uh, most people are thinking as it will still draw in those who may not wish to participate off of faith alone yes well they'll need their strength anyways because this prayer has to go all the way until tomorrow so food and drink is going to be necessary as if you wish i can help prepare that or is there a different task that you would have me do yes the um the the symbols and sigils must be consecrated and i need you to take care of that I, so I she points out like consecrate well <laughs> sorry <laughs> um so she points out like the big one on the front of the building but there's smaller ones around and you this is when you notice that that there's been some thought into the construction of this because there's a broad a broadly circular area that's been cleared around this but there are um trees along the edges of this cleared area that that you notice now are placed in very specific locations and they have carvings on them and and a couple of them have like molt some sort of uh, molten uh, metal inlaid into it and to create the sigil of Coralon. and she says these uh, these are going to be necessary and you'll need to consecrate them but when she says consecrate she's not specifically talking about the spell consecrate so basically what she's saying is that your time must be spent you know, um, communing with Coralon and drawing his his power into these um, sigils. So it's not like a test you're going to have to do. It's just time. You'll have yeah. to be praying, you know, praying over uh, these sigils or whatever. I'll get started on that right away. And I'll move off and uh, start fiercely praying, willing my my faith and belief into the sigils. Okay. Uh, Rohan, so you're flying high above the ground. Um, the silver raven flies next to you. And right now you have left the village behind you and you are flying over what used to be a pretty large grassland that had, you know, farms throughout. Uh, but now you're looking down at trees just spring up out of nowhere, according to everyone. Um, they're not as thick as they are down in the, in the bowl. Mm -hmm. So you can still like see the ground. It's not like, you know, a canopy that obstructs all your vision, but, um, obviously the stories of this forest appearing overnight are true to you because as you fly above these trees, you can look down and see on the very top of some of them is like a house, a farmhouse. Um, as you, as you get closer to them, you, it's easy for you to see that people wouldn't be able to see that from the ground, you know, just the, where that has happened, the trees are thick enough that, you know, people wouldn't be able to see it looking up, but you can see it from above as if the tree sprouted out of the ground and carried the farmhouse up along with it. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of it's like, <clears throat> obviously it's been exposed to the elements and damaged and so you know it's obviously not in usable shape but it does lend to the notion that 
this forest just sprang up out of the ground. I'll I'll kind of take note that it it's not like the forest just appeared, but that it actually did grow from the ground up overnight. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like to you. So um looking looking down at the ground, you remember that the off to the east of the hills on which Cradle is situated was the grassland, and there was a road slash path that went straight down to the beach that cut through that grassland. And that that road uh, cut almost perfectly through the center of the grassland until it got to the hills on the eastern side that create the border between the grassland and the swamp. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that path still seems to exist. There is a, a you know, a, a broken line in the trees that follows, you know, the same cut as that path did. Okay. Uh, but as you get to, uh, so how how long can that? How long does fly last? Uh, one minute per level, so thirteen minutes, and uh, I figured that I can go just shy of half a mile per minute if I'm flying as fast as I can. All right, so you can make it what six miles? Yeah. So from Cradle Village, six miles. Yeah. So you headed northeast, and basically now you are above what was the furthest western section of that grassland. Good. Yeah. Um, looking east, but you can see that that path beneath you. So yeah, I'll try and keep an eye out for signs of human activity, and. If I see any, then I'll kind of angle that direction. Like, look for farmers out in a field or something along those lines. Okay. So, from where you are, um, when your flight spell ends, uh, you can see off in the distance some of the houses that I told you about sticking up on the top of the trees. And you can see the general outline of where that path goes. And then you see um, straight east from you... um, that there is a section of the forest, you know, on the horizon for, for you, you know, um, where, uh, the, the trees have been removed. Okay. In a, you know, broad circular pattern anyway. And so from where you are, that's the closest thing that you can see that was probably caused by people. And you know, there's, there is logging taking place out here somewhere. Okay. Yeah, I'll head uh, to that first little settlement or whatever. Okay. All right. So you're headed that direction, and that'll take a while. Uh, how far away is it? Thirty miles. Thirty miles. Okay. Um, Tw- yeah. Well. So. Twenty twenty-five now. Okay. So I've also got wood walk on my armor that allows me to jump from one tree to another. And depending on the type of tree, I can go about a half a mile at a jump. So I'll use the three charges in that to, to cut off more time. All right. Do you got to touch the tree? Um, yeah, it's woodland strand. I basically walk into one tree and walk out of another. Okay. And then you also have your, uh, what is it? Your pass one that lets you go without being hindered by underbrush. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so my you should be able to make some pretty good time still. Walk and actually, um, my ring also has air walk, so I 
I suppose I could also just do that. And do you got to worry about breeze with that one? Is that the one? Yeah, that one can blow me off course. <laughs> Better get there before the storm hits. Which actually um, brings up another question. I also have gust of wind mm. as an ability on my ring. I was wondering if I could pair wind walk, which I can be blown off course at a rate of uh, five feet per. Uh, is it five feet per five mile an hour? Dude, you need a Dina. She'd be a personal uh, storm maker for you. Well, if I can get Gust of Wind and this Wind Walk to work together, mm -hmm. then I think I can move it almost 50 miles an hour. Nice. Yeah, I don't think it'll work that way because Gust is uh, yeah, it emanates from you. Mm. Yeah, that was going to be a, a DM call on whether or not so I, I guess could you use could, it while flying. You could put could an umbrella Could use it to out. create force? Or I guess thrust is if, uh, if it's in all direction. And, oh, is it? Well, I don't know, but if it is, it kind of cancel each other out. Well, it's in a specific line. Yeah, okay. emanating oh, from me. There you go. So you just need something. <laughs> but you should be able to use it, right? But that said, he would then have to like if if spells work that way, you would have to make knockdown tests if they were enough to actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you cast magic missile, you get flung across the room. <laughs> so the other one is woodwalk. You have um, it. It's basically tree stride for tree one stride, round at a time, one. and then the other one on my ring that would allow me to walk in air is um, air walk. You've got three charges on the tree stride one. Yeah, and uh, well, let me. Let's see what it says on that. Actually, it's five feet for every five miles per hour of wind is how far it would blow me off with the airwalk. So, gust of wind is 50 miles an hour. That would only be 50 feet a, around. What um, what ring has that tree one? Uh, that one was on my armor. Oh, on your armor. Okay. Yeah, my armor has fly once a day and and that one. All right, so step into a tree and exit from another. So according to that spell, it depends on what kind of tree you go into. Yep. But I mean, there's plenty of those, of the, of, there's plenty of oaks, ash, and yew trees in there. So yeah, that would be basically a half a mile at a, at a step. Okay. So you do that. All right. So you can use those and then the airwalk one. Yeah, after I get to the... I, I was thinking of using that either on the way back or to try and get to other farms that are, you know, outlying. Okay. To spread the word. All right. And then, Casimir and Graham, you guys want to move these birds in there, so let's try that. All right. Uh, handle animal or hero craft? Um, handle animal. All righty. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, my luck with rolling... A 20 is a nice nice piece of luck. Yeah, but that usually means it was sitting on another much lower number before it <laughs> flipped. All right. Um, so you move up to your own, and you start working on this, trying to coax them in, and um, you're, you're able to convince them. And they move very slowly, but they do move. Mm -hmm. um, and so they'll follow, follow you in there. And but you can tell that they're very... They're in a lot of pain, but um, but yeah, they'll follow you in. Yeah, I'll uh, I don't know, 
like uh, before we start doing that, I guess I'll make sure that there's enough bedding for them or whatever they like to nest in and uh, and food. Mm-hmm. I guess we're probably giving them like dried stuff from pantries or something. I don't know because I can't hunt right now. But then after that, I'd like to try to get the doors closed, at least one of the doors. Okay. Probably the far back one. All right. Um, yeah, so you managed to get these birds in there, but it does it does take a good amount of time, a couple hours to get them all situated in there. Mm-hmm. And then um, you want to close these doors. So do, um, well, oh. do an intelligence. All right. Huh. Let's see if the luck stays with me. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's good enough as you go look at this door and you can see the way that it's constructed and uh, it's pretty clear when you spend some time looking at it, that it was designed to be closed by a beast of burden, like a mule. I might be strong enough. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's where it's got the handles where a, a, a mule would be harnessed to it. But, All right. but yeah, I mean, looking at it, you don't see any rust, so you might be strong enough to do it. Hmm. These doors were meant to be closed by uh, some beast of burden, a mule or some such, but. I think we can give it a try. A mule. A mule. <laughs> what do you say, Graham? Sure, I'll help you. All right. So, yeah, I'll... I did not help you. That's okay. <laughs> Let's see how I do. Graham's trying to oh, open Oh, nope. It. That's a one. Graham's trying to open it while you're trying to close <laughs> it. Mm. Well, I didn't do great, but you did worse, but you blamed me. I mean, you didn't do well either, but you blamed me for it, not... Uh, not what going on. I didn't do worse than you. I said didn't do well. Sorry, I, I amended it. <laughs> mm, <clears throat> I don't see any rust, but dang, the, the damn doors refuse to move. All right, I'll go to town and uh, see about acquiring some sort of mule. You can do as you will. I'll come with you. Very well, then. Friends to the end. What is a retry on that? <laughs> yeah, it's just an, it's just time. Okay. I mean, you want to give it one more shot? All right. Yeah. I swore I could felt it not budge at all, though. <laughs> no help this time. Nope. It just don't want to happen for me. You're sleepy. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go acquire a mule. And then perhaps we can head off to uh, the temple, check in on Finrith and Rohan. I was like, we wouldn't know they're there yet, so... Or would we? Well, I know that Fenrith they uh, had plans told to go the mayor there, I believe, that's right? where the celebration was going to be. I can't remember. Yeah, perhaps we all run into Fenrith and Rohan there then at, at town. So yeah, we'll uh, I'll fuss once more over all the birds before we leave. Make sure that they are in some sort of state of lessened distress anyway. And then uh, take off. Okay. Um. All right, so you're heading in town. You'll you'll go find some mule. And um, now, when you get into town, words obviously been spread because people are now serious about and they're moving about and carrying things and gathering things, and everybody's got a serious look on their face as they're going about their business. But um, it doesn't take long to get to you know a neighbor's house who owns a mule who can loan it to you. All right, and he's not even. You know, you're just like, well, we were hoping to use the mule. He's, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then he's, you know, on about it. He doesn't even stop to look or ask why. He just says, yeah, go ahead. All right, then. Thanks. 
Let's go check in with the mayor real quick, see if we can find Rohan and Fenrith. So yeah, that's next step. Uh, destination is the mayor, see if we can find anything on Rohan and Fenrith. Okay, so you guys are headed there. Um, Fenrith, so you're over at the first of these sigils and you're, you know, praying and uh, you just, you keep having these intrusive thoughts that you push down, but they just keep popping up. Um, you, you think you'll win the battle, but that's the way it works with anything based on faith and prayer. Uh, there's always the voice in your head that says, you know, this is utter nonsense. Um, and then it just depends on your own will to overcome that, that logical part of you and say, we're going to believe in this no matter, you know, what you have to say about it. And so you're doing that. And, uh, you can hear faintly behind you people going about work. And originally you could hear their conversations, but now you just hear the drone of words being spoken as you're praying over this. And then that intrusive voice sounds different suddenly. Suddenly it sounds like it comes from outside of you, right next to you. And you open your eyes and you see a shadowy form standing next to you. Uh, towering over you, really. Uh, it's about seven feet tall. And it, I say shadowy um, because that's what it seems to you like it's made out of. It would be a figure, a very, very skinny figure, if you could see its body underneath the robes. Um, but just based on the space it takes up and its height, you'd be, you know, gaunt would be a nice way to describe it. And it looks down at you. But you can't see any eyes in the darkness of its hood. And all of its uh, form shimmers and, and wisps at the ends. And uh, some of it seems to drip off and then disappear as if it's not really there. But this form you recognize um, as the one who stabbed Coralon from behind. That's all you recognize. You don't know who it is or what it is. You're going to, well, do a knowledge religion. All right. <clears throat> um, so you know that Coralon had enemies, but based on the way this thing looks, you don't know who it is or what it is. I mean, it's pretty common knowledge in your texts that there were quite a few gods, not all of them evil, that didn't like Coralon. Um the ones that you can think of, the one you can think of off the top of your head that would want to kill him, you know, would be like, uh, you, you don't know the name, but it's a massive, muscle, beastly looking god with, you know, an, a missing eye and tusks and nothing like this creature at all. Um, so, yeah, you don't know who it is, but you do recognize it as the one who stabbed him through the back. So, is this thing... Is the shadow like real or can I, is it seem, does it seem like a material thing, like something I could actually interact with? Um, well, the only thing you can tell initially is nobody else seems to be reacting to it. So you, it seems to you as if you're the only one who can see it, but you can see it. I mean, you look down at the feet and realize it doesn't have any, you know, this black robe ends a little bit off of the ground. And so it floats there, you know, it's got its, its arms together so that the sleeves meet. So you can't see hands or 
and you can't see a face, but there is something there. This isn't a figment of your imagination. You're certain of that. You said this is not or is? Not. It's not a figment okay. of your imagination. Um, well, I'll take a, a second to uh, cast True Seeing on myself. Okay. All right, so you cast that spell, and um, you, you can feel that energy flowing through you. And uh, before you... Nothing changes, and this figure, you can hear a, a laugh, begin somewhere far away, echoing, and uh, f- finally it comes out as a chuckle as it looks at you. And it says, you're wasting your time. Coralon can't save you, but I can. All right. So I will do my best to ignore that thing then as... I, it's at this point, it doesn't seem like it's something that can actually interact or, or hurt me. So as I'll tell it to be gone away with you. Okay. Yeah. So you say that, um, and it still hovers there and then it gets closer and you can, you know, the, it's head close to yours to whisper in your ear. It says, I'll, I'm not going anywhere. Do you want to save all these people? Is that true? Why would you bother? Look how pathetic they are. So um, continue to pray. Okay. Yeah. So it says that and, uh, and you're like, um, you know, trying to ignore it. So put a um, will save in the tower, please. Okay. All right. So you bent forward. You want to continue to pray uh, over these things, but you're still aware that that, uh, that figure stands there watching you silently. You can hear a chuckle every now and again as as the intrusive thoughts break in and say you're wasting your time. It'll it'll chuckle at you as you struggle to push those thoughts away and focus on your work. Um, the uh, the burning hands that I cast after every time I've successfully. Uh, consecrated one of these sigils will now be directed at it. <laughs> you gotta uh, okay. have some flair in your in your uh, praying, right? I suppose. Um, so yeah, I mean, you do. You can use that that ring and burning. You know, some fire emanates from your hands, but it 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 has no effect on it. It just lasts. Yeah, I know. Just something. To- uh, okay, now let's. Go back to Rohan. You're continuing to fly over this land, heading towards that circular area that had been cut out. And, you know, you're using your your tree stride ability, hopping from treetop to treetop, and then, you know, flying along some more. Um, And where that cutout is, where that logging is being done, is right at the base of the southern hills. The southern hills... Um, they're, they're only broken by that path that leads down to the beach. Otherwise, it'd be a straight line from cradle to these hills, cutting across the southern portion of this island. And um, that seems to be where this logging is being done. And you remember that a lot of people had their farms along that line because they were protected from weather by uh, by those hills. They're, they were nestled right up against them. And they would do their farming in the grassland. It was a great wind block. And um, so you remember that a lot of farms were around that area. And that is where you're starting to see 
the most of like three or four of these houses or even like an outhouse in one case uh, on the top of these trees, uh, a corpse of a, a cow you see up sticking on the top of one of the trees. And that's where this logging is being done. Okay. And then you're flying along towards that direction. And uh, you look off to the south and you can see that dark line heading closer and closer. And it's still a ways off, obviously, because right now you've got about 12 hours or yeah, well, sorry, 24. So say 20 hours before it reaches, um, you know, if it continues at the same speed and if your, your instinct was correct, but it's getting closer, but now, um, you know, it's pushing ahead of it, weather of its own. So it's, the sky is darkened a bit as the, there's more clouds and there's a pretty heavy breeze now. And uh, as you look at that line, you can see specks of purple. And it looks to you like some of them even um, shoot out and strike the ocean. Okay. It could just be a trick of your eyes. But you finally reach that section where the trees have been cut out. And as you, you get closer, you can actually see people down on the ground working on fallen trees cutting them up and, you know, um, getting them ready for transport. Um, now the town doesn't have a sawmill, so they must have one out here somewhere if, cause they have been producing lumber, actual boards. So there's gotta be a saw out here somewhere, but you can see people down on the ground cutting, um, these massive trees into manageable chunks and things like that. Um, but that's where you are. So you look down and you can see there's probably 20-ish people working around this area. And in the center of that cutout is a, a camp. Okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to find the first group of people because I've, I've kind of lost track of where people are with all of the changes that have happened to the island. I don't know where they are. So um, I'll set down and explain the situation to them that the line of clouds coming is a storm of magic and that the only shelter will be in town. Okay. That everyone must head to town immediately. Um, and then ask them about any outlying farms or where I might find Nazus. All right. So you land and um, it doesn't take long for like some shouts to get the people on the outskirts working on the lumber, the trees that assemble here in this camp. And, you know, families live here. This is obviously, you know, they're trying to reclaim this land for a farm. And so they've got kids running around and there's even livestock, you know, chickens and goats and things. But it doesn't take long for people to gather and you say, you know, the storm's coming and all that. And you recognize a lot of them. Yeah. But there's a lot of them that you don't recognize. And, uh, um, you know, obviously some of the newcomers that you haven't met. And those ones... Like the ones you do recognize, they, they listen to you and it's like, oh yeah, all right, off we go. Cause you know, you're the hero and that's the reputation the heroes have here. But the newcomers are a little slower to, you know, so, you know, a couple of them will start to grumble and then one steps forward and says, what are you talking about? We've got work to do, a lot of work to do. I'm trying to scratch out a living here and storm a magic. I'll just state plainly. You know, you know, you can stay here and die if you wish. I'm off to warn the rest of the people in the valley. And then, you know, start heading in the direction of the next nearest community. 
All right. So, um, yeah, so they say this, they do some grumbling and, uh, uh, and you say that, but the other ones that you recognize, they're pretty quick to step in and say, Hey, now, uh, you don't understand how things work here, but these are, you know, the heroes and we listen to them. And there's a bit more grumbling as you start to move away to start, you know, to head out again. But finally, uh, the one who had spoken was like, well, my cousin and his family are working um, about five miles away straight to the east. And that's a small number, but you'd probably get to him faster than me. And if what you say is true, I appreciate it if you could stop by there. Yep. And you know that that would put you... That would be about five miles from the haunted mine and the end of the grassland. What was the grassland? Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll tell them to send out people in other directions for any other farmers and that they will need to travel through the night and make sure that they're in the village by noon tomorrow, by midday. Uh, okay. Which is when the storm should hit at its current pace. All right. And then as for your question, uh, nobody knows where Nazus is. All right. When you ask it, it's like they they have this expression that's like that you've asked a silly question to begin with. Nobody ever knows where he is. He just shows up. Okay. And but I thought I did hear the militia um, doing some drills a bit a bit north of the road from here. But I can't be sure about that. All right. Will you send a man to go check? Yeah, we have to head that way along the trail anyways. So. All right. Try and gather any that you can. All right. So um, are you going to go check on his cousin? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so um, Casimir and Graham, you went to check the mayor, find out where everybody else went? Yeah, kind of get an update. Okay. Yeah, so you find her outside the town hall there in the town center giving people instructions, right? Everybody's, there's, you know, everybody's hustling this way and that, making preparations and taking supplies and loading them up. And uh, she's there looking calm and poised, but obviously um, intense. So, But when she sees you, she's like, uh, she tells you, Rohan left to the outlying farms to gather people out there. And Fenrith is at the temple making preparations for a large prayer that must take place with all the people, apparently. I don't entirely understand it, but I'm taking him at his word and getting everyone gathered together and sent to the temple so we can begin. All right. Very well. Thank you, Mayor. Mm -hmm. All right. So I uh, guess we'll head to the temple and inform Fenrith that we have managed to succeed in getting the rocks in. Okay. All right. So when you arrive there, you find um, Fenrith standing next to a tree in um, at the edge of this cleared space. And he looks like he's praying. Mm. Well, and uh, Yathlani is directing people. Uh, there's workers working on the, the temple itself, but also people have begun to arrive. And so she's directing people where to put supplies and, you know, things of that nature. Well. Known how important uh, preparation, meditation, or prayer can be, I'll I guess I'll instead go to Yithlani, as she doesn't seem to be in any sort of prayer, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll inform her, you know, uh, when Finrith is done, 
tell him that we've managed to get the rocks inside a barn and we're preparing to close that up. And okay. Uh, so she says, I'll, I'll tell him he's, um, his prayers are very important. He must not be disturbed, but I'll let him know. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Graham. Let's go get these doors closed. Nod. <laughs> Throw a rocket. Fenris. Way out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys go to head back to the village or to the home of the heroes to get the doors closed. Um, let's see. Hmm. <laughs> no. That's not what I wanted. There we are. All right. So, um, all right. <clears throat> so you guys are leading this mule back there and, um, you get to the, the last path that covers the distance between, you know, the village and the home of the heroes and Graham at this point, as you're getting onto the path and there's trees, but you can, you know, to your right, there's a lot of houses in that direction, and you can still hear the hustle and bustle of the center, town center. But uh, you spot a figure, um, a dark uh, hooded figure dressed entirely differently from the way people dress here. And you just spot it as it, as it goes from behind one house to another. It's a split second that you see it dressed all in black. Uh, with a hood, you can't see its features. It's definitely got weapons. Definitely, it's moving as one moves when they're trying to be sneaky. I'll play off like I didn't see it and start uh, signing to Casimir. Okay. All right. So Casimir, um, it takes you a minute to notice, but you do see Graham is, you know, doing some sign language at you. What you signing, Graham? Uh, that there's a strange-looking figure armed. In between those houses. Is there any sort of like uh covering that's up near us? Like trees or Yeah, whatever? you're you're just stepping into a, a section that's covered with trees. Alright, so I'll sign back that we'll get into the the scopes of trees, secure the mule and double back. Uh you'll go ahead because yep. you're quieter. Alright. <clears throat> so you tie off the mule and then um you're going to move through the trees? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that would have been about 150 feet away to reach the house that you saw it coming from as it stepped to behind the other house. So you move up there. Uh, let me have spots from both of you. Hmm. In the tower? Yeah. All right. So you're moving through. Um, Casimir, you're not seeing anything. I mean, for a lot of this, you can't even see the homes anyways because of the trees but you make it you're pushing through but graham um as you as you're moving ahead and looking um you see a shadow move uh from behind that house that you saw it move to to the one next to it um so you don't see the figure itself but you do spot the shadow as it as it moves so you know you're headed the right direction um and so then you uh you get to the other side of these trees and you'll leave the trees and you'll be on the side of that house, the first house. And so um, once you reach there, you can look out and you can see, um, you can see the, the village center kind of, um, you can see, you know, figures moving back and forth in it, but not enough to make out any details. And then you're in like the end of a row of houses that are, 
situated next to each other. And they're all pretty much the same, you know, a small home with a little yard that has, you know, for their chickens and a garden and things like that. But um, do you make it up to the corner and look around and uh, Graham, you spot that figure and it's about a hundred feet away, four houses down and it's crouched at the corner looking around the the far corner that's back to you. I'll sign his position back to Casimir. Okay. Do I see him? Yeah. So, I mean, when he points him out, you can spot him up there. And where the sun's at, this is like a, a shady part of the house in the backyard. But um, but you do spot him. All right. I'll sign back to Graham. Um, maybe like something along the lines of like, should I be bait? Uh, and I'll point kind of like a way off from the houses and like I can walk that way and pretend I don't know he's there. See if he does anything or. Do you still have your net? Hmm? What if I flushed him towards you? I also have invisibility. If uh, Yeah. Uh, hmm. Because the only thing I got is stabby. <laughs> Not too many questions after that. That perhaps might work. I can remain here, but there's a good chance he'll see me unless right. I'm invisible. Right. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So, yeah, I guess uh, I'll wait until you start flushing him my way. Okay. And then I'll cast the invisibility and wait here. All right. Dungeon Master Brandon, I'm going to try to get up as close as I can without being spotted and then... Um, come at an angle that the best way to run would be towards where Casimir is at and pursue him that way. That would be the goal. Okay. All right. So you can do, uh, you know, your hide to make it there without being seen. Hide and move silently. All right. Yeah. So you start picking your way around, uh, to get to the other side of him, uh, without being spotted. And so, you know, you'll hop short little, fences from goat pens and you know move across and uh it doesn't seem to you as if you've been noticed but you finally make it across the path that splits the row of homes from another row of homes and you can get around that furthest one and you can see him across that path and he doesn't see you and he's peeking around the corner um so let me give you i'll have a ready action kind of going for when he starts running to cast uh, invisibility on myself. Okay. If it's, well, yeah. Well, I guess I can cancel that if he's not running my way. <laughs> All right. So this um, doesn't look to be anything otherworldly about this. You know, he's just dressed up in armor, obviously, a lot like yours. And he's got weapons, but they're not in hand. It looks like he's got like a sword and a dagger. And his face is concealed behind like a mask and a hood. Um, so you can't really make out any details. It's obviously, it's this cre- This person is larger than you, but not a great amount. Okay. Well, once I'm sure I have the angles right, then I'll just say like, hey, what are you doing? And uh, looks kind of fun. <laughs> right. Uh, I'll have my my dagger out. And I suppose... I'm not sure how you'd want to do this, but if I can still get the jump on him, if he turns around and he looks like he's going to do violence on me, mm-hmm. then maybe I could still get, you know, a sneak sneak attack off if he's going to attack me before he runs or something. But if he's just going to bolt, then I'll, you know, just pursue him. Okay. Like, I don't know, like a sense motive or something. 
Once um, he turns around. That's always fun. Because <laughs> I'm really good at that. <laughs> yeah. My long lost brother. So you shout that and it the head swivels around to you. And uh, all you can see is these um, bright red glowing points where its eyes would be. Um, so go ahead and do your sense motive if you want. Put it in the tower. Minus two on that. Bright red glowing points for eyes. That's a good guy <laughs> if ever I've seen one. You got a good aura about you. <laughs> Bloodtooth really seems to, to like you. You're the uh, first person I haven't wanted to kill, Mr. <laughs> Red's a color of passion. He really enjoys what he's doing. So by the rules established uh, a couple sessions ago, all of the things you guys have said, Graham is saying, <laughs> this guy's turning around. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, it looks up at you and you're like, you know, what's trying to guess what it's going to do. And you see these bright glowing eyes look at you, um, but you don't detect that it is going to make a move against you. You do notice that the eyes, they move like in place, mm. like without its head moving, like they're, in, they're not set where they ought to be. Oh, okay. So they move around a bit, but then he then it does dart away down okay. the row of houses so um right towards you casimir all right so yeah the second starts darting i'll try to invis myself here uh oops come on it uh didn't roll where is it the spell failure yeah i'm trying to see if it has uh what it's casting uh yeah somatic so it should have rolled i must have pushed the wrong button there we go. Barely. Ooh. Got it. <laughs> nice. So now that I'm invisible, I'll uh, wait with my net okay. for it to get within 20 feet of me. Okay. So it's darting towards you, um, and it'll. Um, you can see the glowing red eyes in the, in the blackness around it. And you see, too, that they don't stay where eyes are to. They sort of move around a bit. Um. So it doesn't seem to have noticed you because it's not changing okay. its course. It's running right towards you. Um, Graham, the interesting thing you notice as it's streaking towards where Casimir was is that like, there's eyes back there too in the back of its head keeping an eye on you as it moves. But um, then it, it comes to within range of you, Casimir. All right. So this is a touch attack. I don't think it's listed as such, but that's what it is. And I'll suppress the electricity on it. Okay. And that's uh, 20. All right. So, um, yeah, you toss this net out there and it, um, it's a direct hit and wraps itself around him and, uh, he falls to the ground. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll just, mm, yeah, I'll dismiss the invisibility and, uh, keep a hold of the lead. Okay. And, uh, guess we can start trying in common like uh we're used to doing sneaking around okay and graham what do you do yeah i just catch up and i'll stand over the person in the net just with my daggers out trying okay. to look menacing but probably just a smile on my face <laughs> i don't know which should be pretty menacing depending <laughs> given the recent <laughs> if you know my history and backstory all right, so you're both standing above this this person, this character. And it struggled a little, 
in the net, but very quickly just went still when it, you know, seemed to realize the situation. And so now it's like laying there, obviously uncomfortable, uh, at an uncomfortable, you know, position. And, uh, but you still see those now that you're close, you can see that they're not, I mean, it's just glowing red points on a helmet that covers its eyes. Okay. Um, and they, you know, move around. So each of you have a set of these looking and then from time to time, one, one of the set will dart up, you know, to some other part of the helmet, you know, so it's, uh, you know, that's what you see. Some sort of magical helm. <clears throat> um, and then, uh, yeah. So you can see that this, this person does have a, a sword at his waist and a dagger and, you know, pouches on its belt. And, um, it, there is a pack on his back that you didn't notice before that is the same color as the rest of its clothes. Um, but that's what you see. And it doesn't speak. Uh, let's try another language then. Um, we'll go to, oh man, I get, uh, we'll go to the goblin or orc. We, uh, okay. Yeah. So you say that you're, you, you switch languages and say, what are you doing sneaking about? And, um, Finally, you hear back when you've tried Goblin, you hear back in common. Mm. That, uh, I understand what you're saying. No need to speak that disgusting tongue. <laughs> Let mm. me go. I've done nothing wrong. Why? <laughs> Sounds true enough, but you were sneaking about. Well, I didn't know if we were friendly or not. Clearly, you're not. Clearly we... But I'm lost. Clearly we have some aspect of mercy to us. I'll give you that. That is true. You you have me at your mercy. That is true. But I mean no harm. Why didn't you just, you know, walk through so everybody could see you? I was frightened. I've never seen people like you before. What do you mean? That's all that's here. We've never seen you before. Yes, well, I'm... Lost, like I said, shipwrecked. Hmm. Hmm. All right. That's a polite way of saying, listen to what I said before. Hmm. He says, my my ship was dashed to pieces against the the rocks west of here. All of all of my companions are dead or lost. Uh, it's a wonder I even survived. And I made my way here. And uh, when I saw. The way you look, I didn't dare hope that you were friendly. Mm. Well, depending on if you came from the newly formed continent to the west, I forget where it is. Uh, that's understandable. I'm going to release you now. My name is Casimir. If you mean us no harm, I mean you no harm. But if you run or if you attack, it'll be the end of you. I see. Thank you. <laughs> I have no intention of running. Very well. I'll uh, release him from the net. All right. So you, you know, release him from the net and uh, he stands up and, you know, brushes himself off and situates his clothing or whatever. And um, you can still see, you know, you still don't see his face. He's still got this odd helmet on. Um, and so he's, you'd guess, six four, um, And obviously he's, uh, he's well muscled you can tell um 
but he brushes himself off and uh and he introduces himself as um uh, Mutswe. That's M U D S W E and he says I'm glad to meet you Casimir. I wish it were under different circumstances. I apologize for my alarming behavior. It's understandable. We've been guilty of such in the past. I too do wish it was under better circumstances for I fear we have a, a rather uh, dangerous storm approaching and we are preparing to take shelter. It was uh, this uh, this very storm that shipwrecked me here. We were caught in it uh, a week ago, I think. And most of it's a blur, but uh, when I woke, I found myself luckily hanging from a strap, my pack strap from the jagged cliffs to the west of here. And all I could see in the water were the was the wreckage of my of of our ship. Well, your your garb as well as your height might cause some um, anxiety amongst the villagers. Follow us. We'll take you to our... Uh... He says, um, uh, yes, I thought the same of you. And he removes his helmet. And uh, you see a human male with, uh, you know, regular features, you imagine. Just, you know, brown hair and a strong jaw, brown eyes, a little gray at the temple uh, in his hair, which is short cropped. Um, and there's some scars here and there, um, but that's what is a human, which you guys don't have a lot of. Yeah, I think there was a wizard. Yeah, there was one wizard, I think, that you met. Um, but this would be the first, like, human you've encountered. And he says, uh, where I come from, those, the greatest evils that our mothers frighten us with look as you do. What do you call yourselves? Do and we, you can see he's like, you know, he's sort of like pointing to his to his ears, mm-hmm. you know. Do we actually call ourselves elves or? I don't think so. Well, you didn't. You do now. You know what, what that yeah. is and that that's what you are. Well, I mean, you've learned that. But. We've recently taken to calling ourselves elves. Before that, we were just <sighs> simply the people of Cradle. To the best of our knowledge, we were the only people in this world. But that has recently changed drastically. Ah, so the same has happened for you. The, we, we've experienced that where I'm from. There was a, uh, a landmass that only the gods can know the size of that appeared overnight. That was 30 years ago. Hmm. Uh, the day I was born, as a matter of fact. Well, I would like to say that that was a rather long time ago, but unfortunately... Uh, Time has seemed to become muddled as well recently. Uh, We did not know until we returned, but forests have grown up seemingly overnight to us. Me and my companions, was it we were barely gone like a month, maybe? A a week? I lost all track of time. Yeah, like a week or two. We believed ourselves to have been gone for merely a week to find forests grown up overnight, seemingly. Whole groups of people appearing out of nowhere. Mm. And uh, in our case, much of our village, the elderly have begun to age backwards, it would seem. Oh, that's certainly not something we've experienced. 
So it very well could be that 30 years was how long had passed since we were last here. But like I said, we should, probably should not speak further here in these this small copes of trees. Let's <laughs> return to um, where we are headquartered. At the very least, we can get you food. And oh, that that sounds wonderful. It's at this point that you notice how pale and you know pallid and weak he looks. Um, you hadn't noticed that before, but now that things have calmed down, you can see the telltale signs of starvation um, on his face, uh, which you guys have a lot of experience with. Yeah. With the uh, you know, the elves that you encountered, um, you know what it looks like when someone hasn't eaten for a long time. And, uh, that's clearly the case with him. And so he says, I'll, I'll follow you. I, I would appreciate your hospitality. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I can pay it back. Yeah. So, um, I'll, uh, turn and begin leading the way. Uh, I don't know if maybe I'll sign for Graham to take up the rear okay. and keep an eye on him, like over my shoulder. <laughs> Maybe you should take up the rear. <laughs> Why? He's, he's been a little stabby lately. Yeah, uh, I might be able to survive a sneak attack from Graham. <laughs> Probably. No, you might, but your companion might not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll lead the way back to the mule and then back to uh, the hero's house. Okay. Um, yeah, so he, he, he follows you and he doesn't cause any trouble. You do see that he's always looking around. Yeah. Um, I think that's understandable for most of us. We yeah. probably have developed that anyway. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was going to say. It reminds you of you, the way he's always scanning for a possible threat. But he does ask, um, there is quite a bit of action coming from your village. What may I ask? Is this all related to the storm? Yes. Uh, I've determined that uh, the storm is of a magical nature. Mm. magical in the sense that it's overflowing that it's not contained to its plane any longer and thankfully one of our other companions uh, a fellow uh, hero by the name of Rohan he predicted the storm's coming mm. so we've been preparing since then well I have no knowledge of any of that but to say that you're right that this storm is magical in nature um, at least at least the Lightning, if you can call it that, is because I've watched uh, my companions, one of them, when struck by it, uh, immediately turned into a massive bird with um, the body of a lion mm. right in front of us, and then was swept by a wave into the sea, and I didn't see him again. Another was struck by it and grew right before our eyes to 14 feet tall, but only to 14 feet tall. The rest of him didn't keep up and his bones were too brittle to hold up his weight and he collapsed into a pile and we were, we, we had to put him out of his misery. He mm. begged us, I assure you, he begged us. It's understandable, such a... But I've been a sailor since I was 10 and I've never seen a storm like this. Mm -hmm. Yes, we saw our shares of storms when we flew to a... What was the island? Was that also further west? Or was that um, south? That was south. South. We ventured to an island to the south, and we went through a, a raging storm, much like when, uh, was it winter months maybe? <laughs> like we had not seen before. But uh, on our way back east from 
the Western continent that has appeared recently. We flew through it as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, our mounts were afflicted by it in some fashion. We are currently hoping to save them, but the storm has halted any... Uh, any uh, What's the dang word I'm looking for? Investigation will work. Investigation into a cure. You say you have mounts that fly? Yes. Oh. <laughs> so, like, his eyes are just saucers. He's like, I would greatly love to see such a thing. Well, you probably will here in a minute uh, once we return, because we need to uh, seal the barn or the stables that they're in mm. and hope that they survive. Um, all right. So he follows along with you and you guys make it back to the home of the heroes. And, uh, you know, he, he, he continues to talk. He's obviously parched and he's hungry, but he's talking about your flying mounts and, uh, back and he says back home, we have ships that fly, but, but, but no creatures that we've been able to domesticate, which I've always found to be a shame because don't get me wrong airships are wonderful but it would be nice to take to the sky by yourself i think and i've heard legends uh of people in the old days who could use magic to fly but magic is outlawed where i'm from on pain of death and even some of the old old people don't believe it truly exists which i find to be preposterous i mean look at look at my helmet look at my weapons obviously such things existed at one point but then anyways just, i was he's, invisible when i caught him right yeah he's getting to where he's sort of just like almost rambling a little bit um then you'll be most pleased when uh, you encounter one of our companions the one i mentioned earlier by the name of rohan mm. um yeah so you make it back and you get this mule and you can see that um you know where to hook it up and then both of you do a intelligence. It's been screwing me all day. All right. So you hook up this mule and you coax it forward and it starts to pull, but um, the door doesn't move. It's like, you know, first thought you have is it's even too heavy for a, a mule, which is, I mean, obviously that's nonsense. There's nothing too heavy for yeah. a mule. Um, but, but um, Mudsway is like, oh, it, see, it's locked there, sir. And that's when you notice that there is a lock that keeps it open. Um, so <laughs> you can move that. And then it's no trouble at all for the mule. In fact, it seems as if it doesn't weigh anything. Okay. Um, You'll have to forgive us. Many of these uh, odd mechanisms are fairly new. But he spots one of the rocks inside there and his jaw just drops and uh you can see him just staring like like his mind can't wrap around an animal that big <laughs> and he's like are those do you ride those yes when they're in good health all right and then uh sense motive from both of you you gonna try to stake steal our ride uh oh yeah that's right i can just roll wisdom we're <laughs> just okay um all right so yeah there you go so you can get that door shut and um you know he's like moving his head every inch of the way to see for as long as he possibly can um but at that point like you can see his knees start to buckle and he has to lean on the on the wall for support 
because he's obviously at the limits of his strength. We, we better get you some food. <clears throat> All right. And then uh, Fenrith, over to you. So you're praying at these sigils and you've made your way a good bit around this circle. And uh, this figure has followed you the whole way. And um, it seems like now it's becoming more forceful. It seems to have grown taller. It's looming over you. And it's, and it's saying, you, you waste your time. Nothing, nothing can save them. And why would you? What would be the point? And it starts to give you images, uh, you know, as if it's projecting to your mind. And uh, like almost a connection between you and it. And you see uh, nothing, like absolutely nothing. The, the image of, of nothing existing at all. Just nothing for as far as your eye could see if it existed, but it doesn't. And he says, see, see what peace awaits us. If you would join me, abandon this pathetic uh, so-called God of yours. Follow me. And then you get uh, instantly and suddenly a flash of this massive, uh, well, I mean, just like Lord of the Rings, like when Frodo gets that flash of the all-seeing eye, you get that exact same thing, this massive uh, burning eye uh, staring at you and uh, make a concentration check. So you feel like you're almost about to lose it, um, but but you manage to push through and keep your focus on praying to Coralon and keeping your hand on this sigil and trying to energize it with faith alone. But it's close. It's very close. Uh, you almost lost it there because he's managing to get to you. And when that doesn't work, um, you see another vision. And he says, let me show you what will happen. And uh, you get an overhead. You're like floating above this uh, this temple grounds here, and there's a pretty um, a circle shape around it that are the grounds ringed by these trees, and you can tell that it's in the future because the storm rages, but each of these sigils is uh, lit up and shines with bright holy energy, and seems to uh, reflect it back to the large one on the temple itself, or the temple reflects it to the smaller ones. It's hard to say. It seems like a continuous loop there. And on the grounds, all of the people are participating in this prayer to Coralon, um, which takes the form of singing and dancing. And there's people with instruments and you, uh, you can see this shimmering of a, as if this, this area is protected by a literal shield, a magic shield. Outside of it, the storm rages and darkness, as if it's come alive, seems to be trying to fight its way in to cover the temple grounds. But the prayer seems to be working. And outside this um, field, purple lightning slams all around and destroys everything it touches or mutates it. But within, all of the people are protected, and uh, outside, the darkness tries to force its way in, and then it starts to take shape, the darkness, and becomes, you know, humanoid creatures uh, of, of all different sorts, 
seeming to be made of the shadow itself, taking forms uh, that you recognize and forms that you don't, of uh, creatures you fought in the past, you know, massive uh, creatures with uh, pinchers big enough to chop two of you in half, uh, mutated, sickly-looking wildlife, um, floating balls of eyes with stalks looking in all directions. But these are this these are forming up outside this circle and pushing on this field trying to get in and as you watch some of them do get in and uh you and your your companions down on the ground move to engage them and Nazus is there with his militia moving to engage others and it seems as though you're going to hold them off but eventually this darkness breaks through and sweeps over all of you. And uh, then your vision flashes back to normal with you standing in front of a tree praying over this sigil. But that, that apparition says, this is, this is the future. This is how it will be. So you waste your efforts when you could join me and you could have this. And then once again, that vision of absolutely nothing. So that's what's happening for you. Uh, but you rolled your concentration and you got high enough that you, you're able to push the doubts from your mind and continue to pray um, faithful that your efforts will heal Coralon so that he can protect you and your people. Uh, Rohan, so you're continuing along and you're going to check out this person's, this newcomer's cousin who he says is out here at the very limits of what used to be the grassland before you reach the, uh, where the hills wrap north and then the haunted mine. So, uh, you, you find your way there. This is a place where this person's already begun the farming part because there wasn't a lot of trees to clear out. And, uh, but you can still see the signs of you know, felled trees here and there. And there's, you know, uh, at this moment when you get there, he's actually got a couple of mules trying to tear a stump out of the ground. Um, but you can, but you land there and. Well, all my, uh, flying and stuff would be, would have worn off by now. So I, I had to run slash walk. So, uh, oh, okay. I would have ended up hustling the, that distance. Okay. Overland. Um, all right, so we'll change that then. You're not flying, you're running through the forest and due to your your skills, um, nothing slows you down. So you find yourself making good speed through here. Um, and this is like, that's not hard to do because this forest would be like if a rich person wanted to say he owned a forest, you know? Like, it seems to you like, a large amount of these trees have exactly the same space between them as others, as if it was made on purpose rather than sprouting up naturally. So it's not difficult. There's not a lot of undergrowth and the ground uh, seems to have maintained the level that it had as the grassland. So you make it there. And uh, as you come out of the trees onto this farmer's land, you can see he's uh, busy trying to coax a couple of mules to pull a stump from the ground. And uh, he looks up and waves to you, says, hello. I'll hail him, say hello, good sir. There is uh, a storm brewing. We must uh, head to town. This is no natural storm, and it may destroy anything in its path. 
shelter in the town is the only place that uh, you can find safety. Well, that's the oddest thing anybody's ever told me when I first met them. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. I'm I'm new. I don't. I'm not sure who you are. I'm one of the heroes of the village of Cradle. Oh, I've been told. I've been told. Okay. Well, uh, then I'll take your word for it, and I'll gather my family, and we'll depart at once. Can I do anything else for you? Are there any others nearby that that also need to be brought in? Um. Well, I know that I've stopped by your cousin's uh, place on the way here. He mm-hmm. he was the one that sent me on. Ah, I see. Yes. Well, uh, north, pretty much straight north, is um, the largest gathering. Uh, how far? Five miles. Very well. No, ten. I mean, get your family clear. I'll I'll head on to the rest. If there are any more to the south, please send someone to gather them and have them head to town. Don't linger. This storm will reach the island on the morrow, and anyone that's not in town may not survive. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there's nothing to the south. I mean, he's right at the foot of the hills there. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you know that going 10 miles north will take you, you know, past the entrance to the haunted mine and link okay. you up to smaller hills that uh, separate the grassland from the swamp. Okay. Um, and so you know the area he's talking about, and it was the area that had that had the most farms originally. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to continue trying to hustle, but it's going to start dealing damage to me. Okay. Um, all right. So first hour hustle is not a problem. Um, you got second hour sports. deals one point of non-lethal damage and each additional hour deals twice that, oh, twice yeah. the damage before. So to get there, it'd take almost two hours of hustling. So that's, that's only three points of subdual damage. Hmm. And then you got to make it back, which yeah. you I, might not have to hustle if you, yeah, but yeah. It, and then when there's exhaustion too, to worry about, right? Fatigue and yeah, exhaustion. It, it fatigues me. Uh, the right. second hour of hustling. Roll um, uh, survival. <laughs> oh, did you want that in the tower? No, that's fine. Okay. All right, so you take off and you're moving at your hustle, and uh, you go for a ways, and you're starting to it's starting to take its toll on you, um, and uh, you reach a point where you spot on the ground um, a track, and uh, you stop and look at it. And recognize that it's a, a horse hoof. Okay. Um, have we encountered horses? No. The island didn't have them, but you recognize the print. Okay. I don't even know if we've had memories of them yet. No, just so far you've read read okay. about them, but that's it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll take note of it, but then continue on. Okay. All right. So. Mm. Is it shooed? No. Okay. I know I shouldn't have been able to ask that question, but I thought it would. <laughs> All right. So then you continue on. Um, now you are about, you get to where you think you're probably about two miles away from where you're going. Okay. And uh, you come across this uh, pond and drinking at the pond there, you spot this uh, horse. Okay. Um, 
I mean, that's what you think at first. You're looking at it. But as it looks up at you, you recognize there's something odd about this horse because it has a horn coming out of its head. Okay. Do I have any knowledge of what this might be? Uh, yeah, roll your knowledge nature. Knowledge in the tower or? Yeah. Or it doesn't matter. All right. So, um, yeah, so this is one of the legends you've heard about. So this one has a gleaming white coat and uh, big lively eyes and long silky white hair hangs down in a mane. Um, a single ivory covered horn, this one's about three feet long, grows from the center of the forehead and its hooves um, are not shoed or shod, like I said, but they're actually cloven, which is odd. Um, so you don't, based on that, you don't think that this is what made the track you saw earlier. Okay. Uh, so then you, uh, um, you know, you've read about these and it's like a myth. Um, and they say that generally, um, that it's not actually an animal, you know, that they're, they're intelligent and they can speak. Um, and you know, they're militantly protective of, uh, the the forest. You're gonna find a bunch of slaughtered villagers. <laughs> um. So I'll, knowing that it's intelligence, I'll uh, give it some sign of deference, like a a small bow or something along those lines. Isn't there a druid language, or is that just amongst other druids? Do animals not understand that too? I guess there's Sylvan. Yeah, they speak Sylvan in common. Uh, so, uh, to your surprise, the unicorn returns your bow and uh, says, uh, it is nice to meet you. It is a pleasure to meet one of your your standing as well. I worry for your safety, though. There's a storm of magic coming that, that threatens to destroy anything on this island. Oh, yes, I am aware. Uh, I, You needn't be concerned about me, but from the looks of you... You're about to drop. Yes, but there are innocents that I must must get moving back towards the village. We have one hope to, to save them, and as a hero of this village, it's my duty to look after all of the people in this valley. Uh, so the uh, unicorn throws back its head and flips its mane and regards you a bit and says, I'll make you a deal. Um, and And what deal would that be? I will take you. To those you seek to save, but in return, you must convince them when they come back to only remove the trees that I mark. Uh, that may be difficult if their survival would be threatened by not being able to clear more farmland, uh, but I can do my very best to convince them. And as a, a hero of this, this land, I, I may have enough weight. Very well. Come along, then. Let's go save your innocents, as you call them. No, give another bow and say, thank you, great creature. All right, so um, you climb up on her back and, um, you know, she stamps her hooves a bit and gets used to the weight and gets you situated. And then uh, she lurches forward, but you can see the world around you blur and then just like that you find yourself at the um 
edge of the trees looking over a, a large collection of farmhouses. And between you and those houses, you can see a field of, you know, qu quite a few tree stumps uh, from trees that have been removed. But you can see people out there on the uh, at the farmhouses doing work of every sort and things like that. But um, but anyway, so that's where you find yourself. And she says, uh, I'll wait here for you. Come and find me when you've spoken to them. Thank you. I cannot express my gratitude enough. I will be back as shortly as possible. All right. So you head off over there to talk to those people. And um, Graham and Casimir, you've taken Mud's way into the home. And Folwin is busy getting him some food. And he's seated in a chair there. And that's where we'll have to stop for today. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah. Oh man, we're gonna have to stop talking so much. Start playing earlier. Yeah, <laughs> it goes by quick. It does, and it's like kind of takes a while for me to get into. This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.